A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a conversation about the mundane. One thing that we can promise is that our conversation will be less than fascinating so that you can feel free to just drift off. I want to thank you for joining us and we hope that you will listen and sleep. Follow us on Twitter at Listen and Sleep and feel free to rate us on iTunes. Today's show is brought to you by Casper.com. You can receive $50 towards the purchase of any mattress if you go to our URL, which is caspertrial.com slash insomnia, and put in the promo code 50sleep. We'll mention that again in the show. But before we do that, we have a special guest, Amanda Barker, in the studio with us today. Welcome, Amanda. Hi. Thank you for letting me be a part of this tonight. Amanda, we've had you on a couple of times before, and it's always nice to have you back on with us. I wanted to talk about Canadian literature, Mm. because that's something that you studied, if I'm not mistaken. I studied, I have a degree in English literature Mm -hmm. from Mount Allison University, and I have a minor in Canadian studies. Oh, Canadian studies. Right. And Canadian literature has always been my concentration, if you will, within the study of English literature. So if I were to write an honors thesis, which I never did, but if I were, it would probably be about Canadian literature okay, or something around that idea. And what was it that gravitated you or brought you to Canadian literature? I think we all have had a teacher who's inspired us in our formative years, and I was no exception. My teacher was named Jane McLean. She was my English teacher uh, in New Brunswick, and she had a great love for Canadian literature, and there's no question she passed that on to many of her students, including myself. I see. And... What is it that makes Canadian literature different than, let's say, American literature or British literature? Is there anything that stands out for you? I think the thing for me is um, I was an American that moved to Canada when I was 13, or on the cusp of turning 13, and that's a pivotal time for anyone. And so I sort of made it my life study to do a comparison of 
the cultural differences between the U.S. and Canada. And because I have a great love for literature, I think that just fed into a comparative study between literature and Canadian literature. There's a newness and a boldness and unexploredness in Canadian literature that I particularly love. Right. Um, and I also think for myself there was uh, a real... Um, not sure how to put it. It felt a bit more finite, a bit more manageable to okay. study. If you were to study all of the literature of, say, England, right. um, you could probably study, make it your life study, and never really tap everything. Whereas Canadian literature, uh, you know, for better or for worse, the stories that were written down start when colonization happened, which, you know, for our world is a re relatively recent time. Mm -hmm. So I think for myself that that's why it felt doable, manageable in a way. Do you have a particular favorite Canadian author? I have a few favorite okay. Canadian authors, um, all for different reasons. I'm a great fan of Margaret Atwood's uh, for what she's done in the canon of Canadian literature. And for the vastness of her work, she's an amazing essayist, an amazing novelist, amazing short story writer, poet. Certainly now we're seeing with the popularity of the television programs that are based on her books as well has sort of given her a newfound light. Uh, definitely there's a spotlight on her that is in a more global space. And you definitely get the sense that she's sort of taking it all with a... A grain of salt. She, she'll continue to do what she does well. She's an amazing uh, woman. Um, it's interesting. For Margaret Atwood, the thing that I love the most of her work is actually her short stories. Oh. My favorite book by her is one called Wilderness Tips, a collection of feminist short stories. Would be my dream to make it into a TV series. Oh. That sounds great. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, and it could be a possibility seen as the success of The Handmaid's Tale and Alias Grace mm -hmm. um, have been translated to television. Yeah, it's interesting. Alias Grace was a really, I really enjoyed that book as well, and I enjoyed the miniseries. And I'm a big fan of Handmaid's Tale as well, although I have to say when I read it, maybe maybe I was a bit young in reading it, a bit inexperienced, but the, the idea of a dystopian future didn't resonate with me at the time. Of course, it's eerily true now so there you go mm -hmm. um, I should mention that um, along with Margaret Atwood you were saying there was another author I sort of took us down a different path here there was some other authors I have many authors oh. she's one okay um, Robertson Davies in a way was one of my all-time favorite Canadian authors um, and again that was the author that I studied at length with my high school English teacher and she actually went on to complete a master's in um, this idea of the carnivalesque, which is a theme and a concept that Robertson Davies explores greatly in his Deptford trilogy, um, known as the Fifth Business Trilogy or the Deptford Trilogy. There's three books in that. Let's see if I can remember them. Fifth hmm. Business is the first. Um, 
can't remember the second one, but it was about psychology. It'll come to me. And the third, I believe, is called World of Wonders. Okay. I read them all. I wish I could help you there, but I, I just don't the know. The second one... I'm sure uh, it'll come to you. It will come to me. Anyway, it's it's a like a psychological term, and Robertson Davies in the Deptford Trilogy used this idea. It's one where I first learned about the idea of archetypes because they were that word. And, of course, nowadays a lot of people use the word archetype. Sure. In tandem with stereotype, but they actually mean two different things. And the idea of an archetype was developed by psychologist Carl Jung, and Carl Jung's work greatly influences that second book in the Deptford Trilogy that, of course, I can't remember the name of. Yeah, it's a beautiful book. Um, I won't give you the whole plot, but sure. it's about two young boys, one of whom has a mother um, who's like a Virgin Mary figure, and uh, he, one of them throws a snowball with a rock inside of it. It okay. makes her go into labor, and she gives birth to a premature son. And that little, that one um, snowball with a stone has a ripple effect uh, throughout all three books. And you meet the other son in the second book. And then the third book is about the premature son, I believe, who ends up becoming a, um, working with a circus. And so this is, it's this idea of the carnivalesque, I see. Um, the the movie Freaks and so on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very oh, wow. interesting con- concept. It's a beautiful trilogy for anybody who's listening and hasn't heard of it. Robertson Davies. Uh, and the fi- fifth business is the most famous of the three. And that was one of the ones that we had to study in high school. Did you study fifth I business? I didn't study fifth business. Not, it wasn't our class. We studied Margaret Lawrence. Oh, the Stone Angel. The Stone Angel. Which I never read. I didn't enjoy it so much. No. It felt very... The thing that... It's interesting because you're an American who enjoys Canadian literature. It's true. And as a Canadian growing up in school and having to read Canadian literature, I always wanted to read American literature. Interesting. Because I always thought it was more exciting, more romantic, more... Um, what what literature would that be? Mark Twain? I mean, no, I, no, no, I mean... More, what? Like, I mean, more uh, contemporary American literature. Like, so give uh, me an example uh, of some version of that that would be romantic or exciting. Well, um, Catcher in the Rye, not necessarily romantic, but certainly right. much more exciting. Um, I don't know, other American literature. I am trying to think now. Sure, uh, no, I just it's interesting to me. All I ever think of is Mark Twain, which to me was none of those things, although possibly controversial Sure. with today's um, lens on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's just, I just find it fascinating that you you found your way to Canadian literature and Canadian studies. What else did Canadian studies incorporate? I, I thought Canadian studies was um, Canadian literature was a big part of it. Sure. Um, Canadian women was a course that I remember taking, which I found very interesting. The plight of women in Canada. Um, trying to think of other aspects of Canadian Canadian law. Okay. Um, which was interesting, and uh, political science, mass media and popular culture as it relates to Canada was another class I took. I took a course in university with Marshall McLuhan's son. It was a media course. I suppose not everybody would know who Marshall McLuhan is. Fair. He is the Canadian who sort of coined the phrase, the medium is the message, and 
uh, when it came to mass media and communication, he was sort of a pivotal pioneer or figure in mm -hmm. that area. But I can tell you this, his son's class was very, very boring. And so <laughs> I ended up, I ended up dropping it halfway through because I couldn't, I couldn't bear it. I thought here I am taking a class with Marshall McLuhan's son and it was going to be. Well, I don't fast. think that's fair to Marshall or his son. Well, I didn't. Fair enough. Hopefully he's not listening. Someone's son and it's nothing to do with your parenting. How you know, good a teacher there. At that time. <laughs> so um, what, what are some authors that you currently enjoy reading? It doesn't Canadian have to, authors? It doesn't have to be or? Canadian. It has to be any. Well, actually, one book that I've slowly, slowly making my way through, and she is Canadian, and I suppose she's an author because she wrote her own autobiography uh, is Denise Donlan. Oh, yes. I've been very much enjoying her book. It's kind of like you're savoring that book, it seems. I have been reading it. I, I've taken a break from it three times, knowing I would come back to it, and read other books. It is a big book. It's a, The version I have, anyway, is a hardcover. It came out about a year ago. And I work in radio, and she was a guest on our radio show, and... Um, and I had always been a fan of hers, but I hadn't really realized the depth of her influence in Canadian media and popular culture. Um, for those who don't know who Denise Donlin is, she was first a VJ at Much Music, then she became uh, head of programming at Much Music. She left that to become um, the CEO of Sony Music Canada which is where I am in the book. And then from there, she became, I'm not sure of the role, but anyway, working with the CBC for quite a while. Sure, sure. So she's had many posts and had a great influence. Um, and uh, she's a fascinating individual, so I've, I've been enjoying it. But it's she's a great memory, so it's a very dense book. And uh, so I have been savoring it. And I take little breaks and sure. read other more fluffy things along the way. Right, right. I want speaking of fluffy things, I want to mention that today's show is brought to you by Casper.com. And if you want a comfortable sleep and a lovely mattress, you can go to caspertrial.com slash insomnia. And if you purchase a mattress and put in the promo code fifty sleep, that's five zero sleep, you'll get fifty dollars off your mattress, whether it be a twin Twin XL, full, queen, king, or a California king. You have a 100-night trial and a 10-year warranty on that mattress. So feel free to go to caspertrial.com slash insomnia. And you can also go to our show notes where that will be listed. Now back to Canadian studies, Canadian literature, Canadian life. You are the person who I know maybe next to my friend Linda Moore, who's a professor of Canadian literature, who's read more Canadian literature and authors than anyone I know. Well, I guess you have to hang out at more Canadian universities then. I guess. Because you'll definitely well, meet people who have read more than me. I know you're enjoying, uh, is it Zoe Whittall's books? I love Zoe Whittall. She's a very um, interesting author who I've really only gotten into recently. She's written quite a bit, but she's known particularly for th three books, I would say. And I would argue that she's known best for her, the first novel she wrote and then the latest novel she wrote. But she wrote 
you know, some things in the meantime. The first novel she wrote was a novel called Bottle Rocket Hearts, which was shortlisted for Canada Reads on the CBC and a few other things. I think it won a few things, or it was shortlisted anyway, and it was her debut novel. Now, I didn't discover her through that book. I discovered her um, through her second book, the follow-up to that. Um, they're not related, but her next book. Fair enough which was called Standing Still for as Long as Possible. And I grabbed that in the airport. Um, by chance or because you had heard? By chance, I think, mostly. Uh, I was, yeah, by actually completely by chance. I was on the way to my honeymoon and had, you know, maybe 10 minutes before getting on the plane and was suddenly struck with this idea that I was going to be sitting on a beach for two weeks. And because I had been so busy planning my wedding, I was walking under the plane with nothing to entertain me. So I grabbed a few um, box sets of TV shows and um, and this book, Standing Still for as Long as Possible, and it was an interesting look. Uh, it was really interesting. About three youngish individuals in Toronto, and um, one of them was a paramedic in Toronto, and... So it was a very interesting look into that and just a really great read. Maybe not your typical beach read. It's a contemporary book. Too. It's a contemporary book. I guess at the time, this was seven years ago, what made it stand out, one of the characters was uh, trans and um, another character was a lesbian. I think there were, the other two were lesbians, So, um, which are definitely... Um, themes and characters that Zoe likes to employ in her books. So that was her follow-up book, and I reached out to her when I got back from my honeymoon on Facebook and said, I read your book, and it was great. And she was shocked that her book was sitting in an airport lounge. I wouldn't have found it otherwise, but sure. um, it's not typical, I guess, of the type of readers that her books find, right. but it found me, and I was grateful for it because I really did enjoy it on my honeymoon. And then... Bottle Rocket Hearts, uh, I got from the library soon after. Um, and uh, I had a mandate one a couple of years ago, a New Year's resolution to only read Canadian books, and I, I really did. So I read that, and now most recently I got her book, The Best Kind of People, which um, I haven't, I've, I'm jumping into another book in my between Denise Donlin <laughs> chapters. Um, but uh, so I haven't started it yet. It's sitting on my nightstand at home, waiting for me. And uh, uh, there's been so much of that in the world right now. I, I think it's going to be a hard read. So I'm waiting for the right time. Great. And you mentioned that um, that book found you. Do you find that often that books will find people? And I find that sometimes I'll get the right book at the right time. I think so. Yeah. Have you experienced that where, where other than the, the book you just mentioned? I think all things find you. Uh, as you know, I practice yoga. I became a yoga teacher, and I always felt that yoga found me, that I didn't find it, that it came to me when I needed it, and I was grateful for that. So I think these stories, I mean, in any of these stories, you are the final person. You're the final, the audience is the final character, and the audience should have space enough to implant themselves into the narrative. I mean that sincerely. You should be able to see yourself 
in this narrative or in this character or in this book or and I think that relatability in some aspects or even just the escape from relatability in some cases um, can take you there can take you there yeah I wanted to mention that you know for our listeners who aren't familiar with Canadian literature or our listeners who you know, we have a lot of listeners in the U.S., in the U.K., actually all over the world, mm-hmm. um, who might be listening to this thinking, oh, Canadian literature, I never really gave it much thought. Who are the authors you would recommend that uh, our listeners who aren't familiar with Canadian literature pick up? Mm, I think Zoe Whittle would speak to a millennial population, certainly. Sure. Um I suppose Margaret Atwood. Mm-hmm. Alice Munro is somebody I would mention, especially if you like short stories. Sure. To pick up her her books, I she haven't. just won. She just won uh, not too long ago the Nobel Prize for literature. I think mm-hmm. it was two or three years ago. And I don't know her as well. Michael and Dachi. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for something a little more contemporary, too, a contemporary writer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of. Um. I can't think of it. Fair enough. Fair enough. I know that you you pay close attention to Canada Reads too, so you often. I do. Will, yeah. I do. Um, trying to think of well, um, uh, the woman who wrote Room, Emma. I can't oh, think of her last right. name. Yeah. Though, but she's Irish Canadian. Um, trying to think of other Canada Reads winners. I do tend to read the winners. Oh, I know who I would recommend. Terry. Yes. Terry Fallis. Oh, Terry Fallis, of course. Yeah, who's also become a friend in the past few years. He he's a very he's a probably perfect introduction to Canadian literature. He's a very funny author, mm-hmm. and uh, because he had a past in politics, he writes in a satirical way uh, a look at politics in Canada that I think anybody in any country would enjoy. So. He wrote a wonderful book that one Canada Reads called The Best Laid Plans. And for those who don't know what Canada Reads is, because we've talked oh, about yes, it quite a bit, it, sure. it is uh, a national competition that happens once a year, but it's a very friendly competition. It happens on CBC Radio. It starts with, um, they usually pick a theme for the books. So they don't have to be books that are written that year, although they're usually more recent than not, but not always. But they're all Canadian. That's what connects them, but some of them can be 10, 20 years old. Sure. Usually they're more contemporary though. And, um, they pick a theme and then allow the audience online to sort of start voting for the book that they love or the books that they love out of that theme. They whittle it down to, I think eight finalists. Right. I have to look. And then famous Canadians, debate the merits of that book and why it is uh, the most important book um, of that grouping. And so all of the finalists get a good amount of attention. Sure. Um, and they sort of whittle it down. Until one wins from the debate. They vote for each other. They're not allowed to vote for your own book, so you have to vote for each other. And then they get knocked out of the competition. It's very fun and friendly. In fact, I read a beautiful book um, oftentimes I, I'm in love with the books that don't win as well. Now, Terry Fallis was one of the winners. 
I have read that book. Um, but the book that didn't win that particular year, I also loved, called um, The Birth House. And uh, I remember you reading it. Yeah, I read it in Florida. Again, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the name. Her first name is Amy. Okay. Can't think of her last name. Amy something. And uh, The Birth House. The Birthing House? The Birth House. Which is a beautiful uh, narrative about a woman at the turn of the century who's a midwife. Right. And uh, her stories and then how modern medicine moved in. It sounds very clinical, but it's not. It's a really beautiful meditation on women's journeys. There you go. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you said that you made it your New Year's resolution to read Canadian books one year? Mm -hmm. Wow. What sparked that? Um, I think I tend to read a lot of magazines because committing to a book is difficult. And so that particular year, I just was challenging myself to use the wonderful institution that is our library. And so I got a lot of them out of the library. And uh, I love the library. Mm-hmm. The library is a great thing. So I just made it my, instead of reading magazines that year, I read more books. I should probably do it again well, because I've been know. reading a lot of magazines. as of December bit. 31st is around the corner. So. Sure. Um, one thing that I should mention to any author, any Canadian author that's listening, is to make sure that they get their book. It's something to do with copyright, where you can make sure that the libraries know that you have a book in their system, because then you will get a royalty from the library system for your book, if you're a Canadian author, in the Canadian library. And I learned that one time when I was at a writer's workshop. It's amazing the things that you learn mm -hmm. about how writing works in your own nation. Amanda, I want to thank you so much for being a part of this conversation. Thank you. With regards to Canadian literature. I think I'm going to have a follow-up to this when I have my friend Linda Mora in town so we can talk. Maybe I'll have you interview Linda Mora because okay. I, feel, I feel like that would be a great... I'll remember the names of some of those authors. Sorry, I kind of just sprung them on you. And, okay. and it's funny because I don't have access to my computer while we're recording this. Mm -hmm. Amanda, I want to thank you for being a part of the Insomnia Project. We are recording this episode from Prince George in British Columbia, and as always, our show is produced by Drumcast Productions. Until the next time, we hope you have pleasant dreams. <laughs> <laughs>